Hello and welcome back to the Perth to Paisley podcast. This is episode number 76 and oh, it's going to be a great one. If you're watching the video currently, Adam is just not the happiest man in the world right now. And you know what? I'm Daniel. You all know that. We're just going to jump across to Adam. How are you doing? Pish. <laughs> right. Okay. Not happy, mate. What do you look like? I'm not looking forward to this episode. Oh, I, f- I feel for those that actually made the journey up to Perth. Yeah, that's that's how I feel, um, and I for some reason want to be part of that, you know, jambo support that heads through to Paisley. I think it's just because of the convenience of my journey now, the fact that it's a tiny little train ride, and you know, I, but this is the thing because me going to watch Hearts in Paisley usually doesn't equal good news. We only broke this Paisley hoodoo earlier in the season because I thought. There is absolutely no chance I'm going anywhere near that pay-per-view because we always get beat when I go to Paisley. So when we come back next week and I'm hosting, I'll address an apology, you know, off the bat. Yeah, I think that's very fair. Uh, basically, we're going to structure this episode positive heavy at the start and then actually speak about the game. So the first thing I want to mention to get the, the biggest positive out of the way, and it genuinely is a positive... Uh, we forgot to mention it last week, but the week before, we actually hit over 50,000 listeners on this show. And it was brought up to me a couple of times, actually, that people thought we were going to mention it last week. And to be blunt, we both completely forgot about it. We tweeted about it and spoke about it. But listen, that's a, that's a big number, right? Me and Adam started well, created the idea of this podcast, driving back from Kilmarnock a couple of years ago, going, do I do this? Let's see what happens. And I'll completely hold my hands up and be honest, I was expecting maybe by this point, episode number 76, maybe 100 people total will have wanted to listen to what we're saying. And even that, I would have been like, that's a success. The fact that we could fit Timecastle more than double over is terrifying very humbling and it's all just down to you lot listening from me a massive thank you we really do appreciate it with the opportunities we've got to work with the club to speak to former and current players on the show and hopefully we'll be able to do that moving forward as well it's all down to you guys it's nothing to do with us we just speak shite every week and for some reason people keep coming back so for me a huge thank you and i'm assuming adam the same goes for you yeah, perfectly put, mate. I, I mean, I don't know what's wrong with, you know, all the listeners to this show. You obviously all need to get a life. Um, you need to look beyond Hart Midlothian Football Club because I think what we've established from this podcast, first and foremost, is that Hearts and the fans, it's a bit like an abusive relationship. We seem to love Hearts, but sometimes they hate us. That's how I, that's how I currently feel. And this, is this, this podcast is fantastic, is a fantastic form of therapy. And for some weird reason, you nutters want to listen in. So, again, can't thank you all enough. Appreciate it. Well, here's to everybody leaving. And then uh, by the time we get to the 100th episode, there's no one listening because we're that rubbish. But we will now get closer to the games, but not quite yet because we want to speak about anything else other than Hart's trip <laughs> to Bear. <laughs> Uh, There's been a bit of movement in the manager department elsewhere in the league. So obviously this season has seen a whole host of managers come in. Both the old firm at the start and during the season have replaced their managers. Hibs, Aberdeen already have and we spoke about that. And then this past week, first of all, in probably the most... I don't know if surprising is the word, but maybe odd timing came at Dundee as... Previously, James McPake was on a nine-game winless run before he came to Tynecastle, and Nelms and Co. thought this is fine. We'll keep him in. We'll keep him in charge. He then goes to Tynecastle against us and wins, and then knocks Peter Head out of the Scottish Cup and gets to the quarterfinal. And it is then he is deemed not good enough for the job. And before I get on to his replacement, how did you feel about McPake getting sacked at this point? I think I've said elsewhere that I'm amazed that James McPake was Dundee manager for as long as he has been. Um, I don't get the timing whatsoever. What is John Nelms smoking? And, like, 
usually you'd expect the results that James McPeak got toward the end of his Dundee spell from a new manager and a new manager bounce. Mm-hmm. Yet, I don't, I don't quite understand why. Why now? Is it was it because that they'd won promotion? They just felt they had to be as loyal for as long. Do you know as they what were? I think it is? I think they were expecting us to batter Dundee, and they go right now we can sack him, and then they didn't. So they were. Oh wait, shit. Uh, okay, uh, Peter Head will knock us out the cup. It's fine. And they went beat Peter Head, and they were like, "We're just going to have to do it, and this is the worst timing ever." Surely, surely they'd have given James McPake his jotters if they'd have had somebody better than, with all due respect, Mark McGee. Well, this is the dumb. thing. This is the thing. So were they after Jack Ross? Were they after Stephen Glass? I don't know. True. It's True. weird. Yeah, Mark fucking McGee. Who is still serving a six, six match touchline ban from his antics oh, at his mother will job in 2017. Um, now, we'll get to his first game in charge of Dundee, which, in fairness, he actually did perform quite well. That so new maybe manager bounce, baby. Hey, listen, yeah. there you go. But, bizarre appointment. I don't, what I really don't get is, again, inquiring into John Nelms and whoever's made the decision at Dundee here how many games are there left to go about 11 or 12 something like that yeah and in essence he's going to serve half of them on the touchline or up in the stands yep what's the point I don't I don't get this at all it just seems the most bizarrely timed sacking and had they rewound a couple months back then you could have justified it and they'd probably had somebody better than Mark McGee available. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's very weird. However, what is not as weird is the other managerial appointment slash resignation in the top flight as Jim Goodwin oh. left his position at St Mirren and has taken over from Stephen Glass at Aberdeen. And I think Aberdeen are aware of the fact that they now have the most attractive manager in the league because the video they posted as he's getting off the bus against Motherwell looks like a Hugo Boss ad. And fair play to them. I hope this is what they do all the time. I hope they just go, we understand we've got a really attractive manager. So even when they get beat, just shove slow-mo videos of Jim Goodwin and Aberdeen fans are like, yeah, it's all right. We'll accept it because we can just look at him and he's nice. See when Jim Goodwin was playing, like he was it was because ag- he was shaved bald and I don't know why. And he was an ugly, nasty man. But as now a manager, he's got a nice wee beard and that's, a that's like grey hair, like hair yeah. and the beard, a silver fox. Yeah. Why is he so much more likable as a manager? Than as a player, and do you think why? it's because he was trying to be a hard man as a player? Because that Maybe. was what Jim Goodwin was like. He was like industrial, so he was like, I can't be looking good whilst oh. trying to be like that. Hey, uh, see if you were a midfield player trying to play in Scotland and you're coming up against him. Oh no, thanks. Yeah. But now I just I don't know. I'm I'm really disappointed that he's gone to Aberdeen because I think that's an annoyingly good appointment. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't think that Stephen Glass. With all due respect, like the MLS and whatever, like he, this was his first. I was about to say proper this was job. His first, but this was his first proper job. job. It was his yeah. first proper job. It was. Fuck Atalanta. If, if, if we're being nothing. honest, and was it not yeah. like the Atalanta seconds that he was taking? Yeah, he wasn't even. Yeah, much so in the first. You know, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I, I'm annoyed because I feel like Jim Goodwin. With that St Mirren budget, I know it's probably the highest that they've had for a, a long time. And Tony Fitzpatrick was on about, you know, the top six, I think, the season before last. And everybody sort of laughed it off. And it's only then, on the last day before the split, did St Johnston, I think, nick it off St Mirren. So, a good manager. It'll be interesting to see what he does with an increase in budget. Um, But bizarrely, his former club, who we obviously play this coming weekend, also play on Wednesday night and could go fourth with a win against Dundee. At Dens. So, yep. just goes to show the state of the cinch at the minute. Um, but long live the cinch. God bless. Um, and then finally, to touch on that, to touch the club that we're playing uh, this weekend, St Mirren, it looks like, because out of nowhere, Fabrizio Romano <laughs> is tweeting about it, which is the most bizarre thing in the world. Uh, 
It looks like current Morkham boss and former Motherwell manager Stephen Robinson will be taking over. And I think the main aspect of this is we're keeping Stephen Naismith, which I'm delighted about. Yeah, very much so. Um, seems to be earning rave reviews with his work with the under-18s, I think it is, yep. so far. Um, yep. Yeah, again, I thought that Jack Ross going back to St Mirren was an absolute well, he turned it down. Sinner. Has he turned it down? Yeah, apparently he they asked for an interview and he said no. So I'm assuming that Jack Ross is expecting a bigger job to come his way. But then there was talk of him going to Queen's Park as well, because Leanne Dempster was there. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know. Um, I I think I don't think we'll see Jack Dross for a wee while, to be honest. No. Um, but in terms of St Mirren, uh, Stephen Robinson and Morecambe seem to get off to a great start this season, but they're actually sat in the League One relegation zone. So for him, I think it makes total sense jump out of what will most likely be a sinking ship uh, and come back to Scotland, where let's face it, the job that he did at Motherwell was decent on the whole. Mm. Um, and that's obviously proved the most successful spell of his managerial career, albeit a short one. Definitely. It's also been very funny to see Morecambe fans freak out because oh, there is a going tiny to the pub little league club. and all this other yeah. nonsense. Oh, yeah. do me a favour. So, ha ha, ha ha ha. Anyway, around the grounds. We'll get to that. Oh. And as you can tell, we've put off speaking about it for... About 12 minutes now, so we'll have to start. Done remarkably we do, well to just talk absolute nonsense for the best part of what? About a quarter of the episode? Great, yes, great work. Exactly. So, we'll actually start with Jim Goodwin's first game in charge of Aberdeen, as it was deja vu from the other week in the Scottish Cup. But this time with a different scoreline, as Motherwell drew one all with Aberdeen. The first time this season Motherwell haven't beaten Aberdeen, funnily enough. So Jim Goodwin's off to a good start there. Uh, his former team, St Mirren, drew one all to Livingston. They two teams seem to be roughly the same level just now, which is really interesting. And then Hibbs got a very important win at home against Ross County 2-0 before the old firm both played on the Sunday. Dundee United getting... Another good result against Rangers this year. I don't know what's happening with Dundee United as they drew one all at Tannadice before Mark McGee's Dundee nearly, nearly managed to get points away at Parkhead until a Giacomacchus hat-trick allowed Celtic to win 3-2. What did you think of the games? Um, from the Saturday, I called Livy 1, St Mirren 1. Nice. So see that as a, as a big dub. Um, Motherwell... I had anticipated to be Aberdeen, but obviously I didn't foresee Jim Goodwin's appointment and arrival at yeah, Aberdeen. So I think all things considered, like you said, that's a decent result. Um, considering he was was he appointed the Friday and then took charge the Saturday. He literally right? he literally said to Sports Scene that he had had a fifteen minute meeting with the players Friday night and then saw them in the dressing room ahead of the game. Yeah, so you know he's not even been on on the training park yet with them. So. Um, be interesting to see how they get on in the coming weeks. Obviously, there's a trip to Tyne Castle a week on Wednesday, I believe. So yeah. that'll be great, particularly considering that the last meeting with Aberdeen at Tyne Castle at both Tyne Castle and Pataudry were were fantastic. Um, some great yeah. games against the Dons this year. Um, seeing them languish in the bottom six, and we've still not been able to beat them. Um, yeah, Hibs beating Ross County. The only thing I'm surprised at is Hibs keeping a clean sheet. In all yeah. honesty, um, County have been scoring goals aplenty despite their league position, so was a bit intrigued there. And as for the Sunday fixtures, I was working early on the Sunday morning. I wake up from my nap and see that uh, Rangers had been held at Tanadice, and I was thinking, "Oh my goodness! Like what? Like like you said? I think it was the second match day." Rangers lost to United one 0 at Tanadice. Then they went on a rage unbeaten run. Till they lost to Celtic, obviously in the old firm the other week, um, and that's been their only two league defeats. Um, I haven't seen the highlights yet. I heard Bobby Madden had a shocker. He did. Imagine, <laughs> you know, my surprise at that. Um, and Celtic edging past Dundee was really annoying. Um, Celtic's record against Dundee is an absolute disgrace. Um, and we were talking about Aberdeen's record against Celtic. I've now found a team with an even worse record against yeah. Celtic, which is remarkable. Um, but yeah, went, took the lead. Um, and then, obviously, 
got to 2-1, pegged them back yet again. And I'm thinking, do I actually want Dundee to win a game of football? What, is, what a bizarre <laughs> and wacky notion. Um, but, of course, Celtic do what they do. And they seem to make a really, or they've made a real annoying habit of leaving it late in a good few games in recent weeks, months now. Um, I saw a Rangers fan make a thing that was like, if games finished after 80 minutes, Rangers would be five points clear at the top of the week. Bizarre. And what do they trail now? Three points, isn't it? Three points, yeah. yeah. So, be interesting to see how, how that develops. Obviously, still two old firms to go, so we'll wait and yeah. see. But in terms of kind of the results on a whole... My only real surprises were Aberdeen claiming a point at Fir Park um, and Rangers being held at Tannadice, in all honesty. And then, the final game... This is the least surprising. <laughs> Absolute nonsense. Seriously. match day week as Hearts travelled to Perth to try and get their first league win in Perth since 2010. Half my Carroll. life ago, like we established last week. Where Kevin Kyle and I think it was Hamill. Was that a 2 0 win for Hearts that day? I think so. It was something like that. <laughs> scored. Was that the Ajax style strip? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Jesus wept. So, Hearts lined up, and I I hadn't seen the team, and my manager, uh, who actually listens to the podcast, funnily enough, uh, she's a Hearts fan, and she messaged me going, Oh my God. And that panicked me initially. And I looked at it and went, what's wrong with that? Oh, okay, there's a couple of missions. But then I was like, wait. Skipped over the first names. Suter's <laughs> captain. Why Suter captain? And the fear that every Hearts fan has had since the start of this season came true in probably the worst possible game for it to come true as Craig Gordon and Liam Boyce, but Boyce has missed a few games, both tested positive for COVID, so missed out. Now, before I get to the rest of the team... I want to give them our well wishes, first and foremost. Of course. Yes, absolutely. Been there, okay. done that, got the t-shirt, not nice. Somehow I've not been there yet, but I hope not to. Um, before I get into the rest of the team, what what was your reaction when you saw Gordon wasn't playing and Ross Stewart was making his first appearance this season in the league? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that sums it up to um, <laughs> Just sort of sums yeah. hearts up at the minute that, you know, a Rangers bound centre half is captaining the club. I don't give a shit about that. Yeah. I saw so many folk getting annoyed at that. He's the vice captain. I'm not, I'm not annoyed. Like I'm not annoyed, but it's just like, of all the things that could go wrong, that is essentially the perfect way to sum it up. Um,. Again, my my concern was just that we'd get beat. I think St Johnston were something like sixteen to five. Why I didn't lump them from there, I'll never know. Um, and I sent a message into the group chat with all my pals and whatever. As optimistic as you would have found me was St Johnston one hearts nil, and I said that Jamie McCart or somebody like that. I think we'll score from a corner, I said, as opposed to, obviously, the free kick and winner. So, St Johnston to win and Jamie McCart to score would have been a great bet. But, as is so often the case, guess who wasn't on it? <laughs> this guy. Well, Craig Gordon and Liam Boyce weren't the only changes from the team that played against Livingston. There was actually five in total, three of which were in force. Craig Gordon, Liam Boyce, Benny Benningamy, Michael Smith... And somebody else missed out. I thought it was just four changes, but... Oh, it might be four then. Yes, it is four. It is four. Because Ross Stewart, Cammy Devlin, Nathaniel Atkinson and Josh Janelli all came in. Lining up in that 3-4-3 or 5-2-3, however you want to say it is. Just just stop being around the bush. That formation and system needs ditched. Let's just be honest now. Especially when we don't have Halkett. Yeah. Yeah, because that, with Halkett, that, that I think perfect, it's fine. That was the perfect time to change it. So yeah. we're going to stick with it now, 100%. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. So the game kicks off, and within 48 seconds, 
hearts go off to the worst start possible as St Johnston pass it about somehow by the way I've no idea how they managed to pass it about in the state of that pitch by the way but they managed don't to do it don't get me started on part mate we're not going to run it oh, it was, it was a, the, the amount of water in that you could have swam in it but <laughs> Halberg passes it through to Ali Crawford who I want if I'm being nice to Ross Stewart I'm saying puts it too far in the corner I, I don't think Ross Stewart is at fault for the goal. At all. I think if Craig Gordon's there, he saves it. I just think it's a great finish. I and think that's because of his height, though. I think Gordon's got a higher, like a longer wingspan, so I maybe, think Gordon could physically reach it. Do you want to know my frustration for this goal? Is the fact that St Johnston take kick off and immediately shell it out of play, and we somehow still manage to find a way to concede within the first minute. Like the fact that we concede possession. I think it's twice so cheaply because mm-hmm. Big Pete looks to kind of give it away but he's fortunate that Stephen Kingsley's there to recover. Who Alex Cochran is looking for up the line I will never know. And it I just think it's Barry through. Mackay. I don't, even, I don't even see Barry Mackay in my picture when I'm looking back at the goal. <laughs> like, wait, where the hell's he? <laughs> and then Elliot Parrish gathers. I, 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 I wanted to ask you because there's so much more that we can do defensively. I, I know that for certain. Mm-hmm. Is the main frustration that we don't win the initial header? Is it the fact that, you know, Glenn Middleton and Melker Halberg getting behind too easily? And then, of course, I, I'm talking about Ali Crawford. He's a player I, I admired when he was at Aki's, a former Hearts trialist, and he slots past Ross Stewart like he's not even there. So... I think it's a fine finish. My concern is more in the build-up, to be honest. So this isn't actually the goal I have as many problems with. I have problems with it in terms of the timing. Like yeah. you should never concede that early because you should be as focused as you're ever going to and be. And like I game. say, they've shelled it out. So yeah, we, exactly. We, we have possession after a minute. It's not as though they've kicked off, played you know a couple neat one twos round us, and we've not even had a touch. Yeah. We, we've just given them a chance. Yeah, which is so early them. on. Yeah, that is definitely frustrating. And as you say, just the way that they can pass it about as if we're not really there, that was definitely frustrating. Um, And it couldn't have been a worse possible start. Like, literally, unless they'd shot from kickoff when it went in. You can't ask for a worse start than that. However, in quite non-Hearts fashion this season... We kind of immediately... Yeah, we kind of immediately remedy it. Because for the next four minutes, St Johnston barely touched the ball and then Barry Mackay gets it on the edge of the box and hits a kind of... I don't even know how you'd say it. It's not like a daisy cutter, but it's not the fastest of ball possible. It kind of opens up the body a little bit, doesn't he? Yeah. Try to bend one into the far corner. Yeah, and it hits the post and Nathaniel Atkinson just kind of gambles on it, hitting the post, runs in and puts it past the... St Johnston second choice keeper Parish, and immediately within five minutes it's one all and I think every Hearts fan just kind of went right let's just pretend it's nil nil and we're starting again let's go we're actually in the ascendancy having equalised in Perth yes wow incredible this confirms our theory that Barry Mackay will never score for Hearts like seriously how unlucky does he actually have to be Um, and do you know I think I'd take nothing away from Nathaniel Atkinson's his great goal and I think his frustration will be that his first Hearts goal hasn't arrived in a win my annoyance is I think this goal highlights a real concern of mine in that there's a real lack of movement in offensive areas for me because Stephen Kingsley's the one that picks it up in the middle of the park, who's playing in the left of a back three. And Barry Mackay, if Alex Cochran was shelling that ball to Barry Mackay because he's supposed to be on the left, he has to operate centrally to receive the ball and try and make things happen. And yet, you know, it, it's cut, it comes from a rebound from his shot. Yeah. So, in essence, it highlights the fact that we're dependent on Stephen Kingsley, who's on the left of a back three, and probably more notably Barry Mackay to carve out opportunities. It's not as though I've been saying this for a week, longer than a week. 
So honestly, <laughs> from that point on, Jesus, it's it's a really bad game. However, we just never really seem to put our foot on the ball. We never managed to, and I do think like there was one moment where Cochrane went to just make a five-yard pass to Kingsley, and the ball stuck halfway, and he had to sprint to get it before Hendry ran in. And you see in that moment, I think it was about twelve minutes in, where every player goes. Oh my God! We're going to have to put double the amount of effort on passes here. It's really hard to run through. But clearly, St Johnson just went. Oh, okay, that is the situation. Let's change the game plan, and we didn't really do that. However, we had the kind of the next big chance in the half where Peter Haring swings a ball in, and you expect Elliot Parish to just run and claim it, and somehow he doesn't. He kind of drops it. Sims is really unlucky. To miss it, then it gets back to Parish, and you expect him to claim it again, and he doesn't, and then it somehow ends up a goal kick. Why does everybody's backup goalkeeper have an absolute stormer against Hearts? It really is starting to grind my gears. Yeah, I can't, I can't put my finger on it, and yet I thought I don't know if it's just because they're a backup keeper, so this is their chance to showcase why they should be in the side. And we just keep getting it that we are the team that every backup keeper is playing against. In an offensive sense, there's, there's something missing. And yeah, I look at the jokers that he brings on. We'll get to the substitutions later. Yeah. But oh, hardly inspires you, does it? Really? This well, is so depressing, man. Well, do, you remember about when, depressing. do you remember when we started the season well and I was actually in a good mood? Do you remember? That just seems like an eternity ago now. I'm so well, doom and gloom, it's uncanny. That was the first half. Nothing else happened. How like, te- like terrible. Yeah, dross. God awful. Genuine yeah. dross. The, the only praise that I can give the team is getting themselves back into the game. Because yeah. usually, you know, sides of the past few seasons, we crumble, probably concede a second, we're two zip down before we know it, and then it's a case of, I don't know, going out to win the second half or trying and make it look less embarrassing. What is it with us in Perth? Well, I, I worked it out. So, thinking about it, since that time, so Jeffries, Sergio, then you move to Gary Locke, then Nielsen, then Levine. John McGlynn before that as well. Oh yeah, John McGlynn, sorry, aye. Cathro, Levine, McPhee, Stendhal, Nielsen. Ten managers. Well, Nielsen twice. So nine managers. What must be around, especially over the last couple of years, we've had about 400 players in that time. (laughs) And no wins in the league. Now, I know that for two of those years, we were out of the league. So... It doesn't excuse it, though. That's still a good good 80%. That's still a a decade. Yeah. (laughs) It's still a decade without a league win. What a laugh. Can we just forfeit games at McDermott? Can we just go, nah, fuck this. Just three, we'll take a 3 0 loss and make it up somewhere else. See, this is where, like, I don't know, my opinions sort of contrast. Because I'd like Dundee to get relegated because I despise Dundee. Yeah, I'd like to see St Johnston get relegated so we never have to travel to McDermott Park ever again. I hate that stadium. It's actually my least favourite in the top tier, amongst a few. It's definitely nah. the worst. I don't like it because of like what we've had to deal with, but I prefer it. I hate dens. I hate dens so much. Yeah, I like dens as an away day. I just don't nah. like the stand that's on your right. Yeah, the weird the den. Just, just the weirdest, weirdest design ever. But that's yeah. I, anyway. Listen. We need to I, still speak about this get, game. Just get them. Just get them both away. Yeah, and, and never, I, never to speak of them again. It's getting yeah. to the stage now where. I'm actually wanting Livingston and Ross County to keep their places in the league. This is what this is what this season has done to me. Honestly, this is what this football club has done to me. I want to raise someone here that may people may think this is harsh because of how recent his arrival is and the fact that he scored the only goal. Go on, but. I, j- I have seen nothing from Nathaniel Atkinson that makes me go, yep, you can replace Michael Smith. I thought he was terrible. I thought he was one of the... Wo- I thought on a bad day with a lot of bad players, he was one of the worst. 
why is that? Do you, do you put him at fault for the first sp- just because Ali Crawford's got so much space to... Not even... I don't even mean in terms of the goals. I'll be honest, right? I don't even really mean in terms of both goals. He might not be at fault for either. I can't really remember. I actually think they're both on the other side. But I mean in terms of the game. The whole point in Nathaniel Atkinson has been brought in is that Michael Smith isn't deemed athletic or attacking enough. However, Michael Smith this season has been roaming into the ten, being a trick or twister and I, stuff like that. I was going right? to say, he's probably been a better creative influence than most. Yeah, exactly. But if you go right, fine. Smith is the more defensive one. So therefore, you bring Atkinson in for the attacking aspect. Almost every attack we had in that game came down Alex Cochrane's side. He didn't do it well, but it good, still came say, down surely that you've side. Got, surely you've got to fault both then. And Absolutely. This, this is the thing with this system, isn't it? Because there's no creative influence in the midfield. In the middle really. of the park. Yeah, yeah. It's it's dependent on the wing backs, like we say. And th- that's my kind of annoyance. I, I don't I going back to team selection, I didn't get Benny Beningami being dropped. I know you're not a fan of Benny's recent performances, but I just feel to win it in there, you know I would have at I least mean, brought him on I, at half time. Yeah, at McDermott with the conditions and everything, like you've talked about the park there. It's going to be a battle, and yeah. I think Benny would. He's he's one of the most combative in there. He mm-hmm. he and Big Pete would have done for me, and maybe even Devlin at kind of the tip of them both to try and give us some energy. I would in, I in would have played a four two. Th- I would have played a four three three with those as a three. Yeah, because because it needed varying up anyway, and then you've got Janelli and Mackay supporting Sims anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But what what do we know? Yeah, but, and that's easy, I mean, easy right? saying this now. Had we, you know, ended this McDermott hoodoo, I might have even yeah, given course. Robbie some credit this week. But yeah, of course. alas, we didn't, and so I'm not. But and some people go, "You're being too harsh on Atkinson," because and I get it. Listen, he's got to come from the other side of the world in a, I think what was his off season, and he's got to take time to get up to pace. But I just thought he couldn't even pass at the weekend. Cochrane could at least pass. To the midfield inside, or Far the first one that right? he gave away, and yeah, then they scored yeah. from. But Cochrane, I was like, all right, okay, he's not doing much, but he's still at least getting the ball. He, obviously, I think every time Atkinson got it, he lost it, whether it was a misplaced pass or he was just tackled. And I don't think he was the worst because I think some of the subs annoyed me more. But from the start in eleven, I just noticed Atkinson the most. And people will go, it's because Smith's one of your favourite players and you view him as his replacement. But that wasn't the situation on Saturday because Smith was hurt. It wasn't like Atkinson forced Smith out of the team. So I can't go, well, I think Smith should be playing. That, was, yeah, that it, wasn't an option. He's playing there because, you know, don't, it sounds harsh, but obviously Mikey Smith's out. So he's the, he's yeah. the natural replacement. That's, that's just how the squad and football works. Yeah, exactly. So it's not like a situation where you're going, eh, actually, I think Michael Smith should have played and it's proven. No, I just mean, I worry that our replacement for Michael Smith, even after years of not having one, isn't going to be up to the level of Michael Smith. And that terrifies the shit out of me because he's getting on a bit. It's going to be a sad, sad day, isn't it? I'm terrified. However, what was even sadder was the start of the second half as... Immediately, St Johnston came out the traps, fit and firing, they looked the more progressive, and five minutes in, six minutes into the second half, they got that reward. As I put on Twitter, immediately following it, that it was the worst defended set piece I've seen from us since that set piece under Lavina Ibrox where everybody oh, just Jesus. ran forward. Oh God, I was in the home end that day and that was yeah. brutal. Having to pretend to celebrate that with my Rangers mate. Honest to God. That was a grim, grim afternoon. Well, I think the defence of this set piece was as bad as that. Because unbelievably, it's a ball put in. We all we were playing quite a high line in that game. See a free kick. You can't you can't then just rush forward again. You're a high line, but you need to be aware of where the other players are. So what they choose to do is, they all take a step back, playing everybody on side, then run forward, and just apparently go, oh, Jamie McCart? Nah, we'll, we'll completely ignore him. 
all ten of us. One of the three St Johnston lumps that I dubbed, you know, when we beat them at Tiny. And then, then, just to add the cherry on top of the cake, Ross Stewart goes, I can't be arsed moving here, lads. I'm just not even going to make a fucking effort I'm not, to save look, this. I, I'd be the first to stick my knife into Ross Stewart, but I don't think either of the goals are particularly his doing. I think he could honest. do more for the second, but I'm not blaming him for the second. No, because he's expecting probably a Something better defensive to happen. line for S- one. Literally, yeah. our defence to do anything. And, and us to make sufficient contact with the ball. Yeah. Um, I can't believe you've brushed over... Ellis Simsy's two misses. The the one in the first half from I don't even remember. Them. I think there's one from a, a a Kingsley Kingsley corner where he sort of out sprints Liam Gordon after he's let it run through his legs. A great ball from Big Pete, and he's missed an absolute setter from the corner. Oh yeah, sorry, and, I do remember that one. The yeah, se- the second half. I can't remember who plays the ball over to Josh Janelli, but he cuts back for the big man, and, and he's like a yard. <laughs> And he puts it over. Yeah, sorry, I did forget about both of them, actually. I think I've blocked them I would have us 2-1 up. So then, of course, because we don't take yeah. these two decent chances, all it takes is a shocking defensive line and bang. And my goal scorer that I, that I correctly predicted tucks one away. I need to stop chucking out rad statements. The worst I ever made was Hearts played Livingston. Under Levine, I think it was, and mm-hmm. we drew one each at Tynecastle. If my memory serves me, Stephen McLean's late equaliser. Oh yeah. Spared our blushes. Yeah. I remember after that. Marvin Bartley of all yeah. people put Livingston ahead, and I wasn't confident that night. I, I said, was. It, I was the Bartley top of the nicked the winner. So I've never been. I've never celebrated a Stephen McLean goal more wildly than that. <laughs> Um, let's just say that sad times that uh, let's just move away from that dark dark era I will say this nonsense I don't think I think everybody at the weekend had a bad game apart from me well no I was about to say apart from maybe Kingsley but he's still part of that defence who conceded those two goals I I won't accept Stephen Kingsley criticism but that's what I mean Kingsley was like I still don't think he was at major fault for anything and he looked again like the only person driving forward he's one of our better creative influences exactly yeah he plays centre back yeah Um, however I will say this despite his misses I thought Sims was not the worst of the bunch because he was the only he was the only one that our chances failed to Yes, yeah, and I felt that he was still doing good hold-up play, but there was just no one to hold it up for. Like he would hold it up, and how, no one would make runs how beyond. We haven't addressed the fact that we need a creative midfielder for so long. Genuinely astounds me. Yeah, for, like who's who's responsible for that? Surely Robbie's got to identify well, right. that he wants one, right. or is Joe Savage presented him with options? Have they not even discussed this? Right, like again, it's like. You were touching on something there as well that I was going to pull you up for, or not? Just the, just the fact that like a, a formation change is perhaps necessary. We've not got anybody else, bar Mackay, mm-hmm. that will create in this team. So why have we not? Why why have we not addressed that? Why have we not changed up the formation when we're on a torrid recent run as of late? Like a couple games I can understand, but in recent weeks it's just dross. Um, I want to raise something that was discussed on Twitter after the game. Please don't tell me this is a new manager shout. No. Fuck off. No. It's me. I'm fully no, team Nielsen. Oh, sorry. I thought you were talking about like somebody else and you were no, just going to address no, 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 no. it like here and just go in on No. That. No. Um, right, okay. I, I saw this discussion between a lot of people. People seemed to be on both sides and it was one of those things is where... Is this the Nielsen-Savage debate? It's the Savage... I want to have the discussion about Savage because I don't under I just don't really understand the situation with the fan base in Savage. Like and this is genuinely from a place of ignorance. This isn't me like I have my opinion and stuff like that. I just genuinely don't get it. I don't understand why when we were flying, doing really well, whenever someone would praise Nielsen it was met with, yeah, but look at the signings that have been made by Savage. Of course he's doing well. Look at these great players. Then, when whenever we've had a dip, whether it be now or at the start of the season when individual players would play badly, it was never, oh, 
we all need to take responsibility for this. The players need to, Nielsen needs to, Savage needs to, everybody needs to. It was always, no, Savage can't take responsibility for this. It's just Nielsen and the players. I think Joe Savage has been a fantastic addition to this club. It is such a revelation that we have somebody competent at a role that is pivotal. There's a reason that it's not a YouTube scout and that we actually seem as though we're doing our homework when recruiting players. Yes. Is in essence what you're trying to say here. However, he's nowhere near a 100% hit rate Nobody is. Nobody is. Of course not, but I... Hearts fans, certain Hearts fans yeah, seem yeah. to think he is. No, of course, like, I, I get it. And that. I just didn't get it. Like I no. said on Twitter, Savage also needs to take responsibility for players not performing well if he brought them in. Not solely responsible, and shouldn't just be. Oh well, they've been shit. Oh, Savage brought them in; it's his fault. That's ridiculous. But also, you can't just go. Oh well, Savage brought them in; he's been really good. It's solely Nielsen's fault. I just didn't get it. I'm like, where's that come from? Do you know? I think I think the thing for me in recent weeks is, I look at some games and put it down to individual errors on the park. So that's mm-hmm. probably the players' responsibility. I think we as a club, and this is merely me reading between the lines. You can out me for this if you think it's crazy or whatever. I think there's a complacency that's kicked in from Hearts over the past few weeks where. Because we've been clear in third for so long, everybody's adamant that that's exactly where we'll finish. And I don't want to have to say that I told you so, but I did to- I did sort of issue warnings where, you know, don't count your chickens before they've hatched. It's only February. There's still a heck of a lot of football to be played. We're in a fantastic position. We should be aiming to solidify that, you know, cement third place. Cool. But I don't know if this mindset, this sort of... It's not an arrogance. It's merely a complacency where I think we've come up against bottom of the league twice recently and probably expected to just blow them over. And football football doesn't work like that. You know, these teams are scrapping for their lives. They're wanting every single point to ensure that they don't go down, that, you know, people that work at the club don't lose their jobs, that they want to remain in the top tier. And yet, we just seem like... I don't don't know. I don't know if it's an arrogance that we're just going to turn up. Yeah, we're going to walk through this lot, breeze through this lot. Another three points. Third place. Here we come. Europe, here we come. Happy days. We'll all be playing in the conference. Maybe even potentially the Europa if we get a good draw. I don't know. There's still a lot of work to do. And I don't know if that's down to Robbie if that's down to Savage, if that's down to the players on the park, the coaches behind the scenes. I don't know where to pin the blame, if I'm honest. You know I'm not a Robbie fan, but I don't feel as though the past few performances are reason to solely target him, if I'm being totally honest. I think a lot of those players need to have a look at themselves and think, you know, am I happy with being a squad player or do I want to cement a starting place in this team so that when those European fixtures come around, if they come around... I'm involved and not merely watching from the stands like the rest of us. Yeah, listen, it, it we always say it, but it's a team game, so that has to work both ways. When you're doing everybody well, everybody takes responsibility. Yeah, and everybody takes responsibility it's when it's going see, well, it's and everybody like takes that. responsibility. That's true. I want because listen, nothing else happened in that game apart from there was a goal mouth scramble at the end where did the ball go over the Somehow line? Somehow we didn't score. We're the only team that doesn't score yeah, from that. Yeah, um, and again, it, it, like. When things are going for you, we tuck that. But yeah. it's not at the minute, so we yeah. don't. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like It's fine margins at the minute. We just need something to get us out of this rut. And I don't know if the weekend's fixture in Paisley, which we'll come to, is the perfect opportunity for that. Because at the minute, or at the time of recording, I should say, they're still without a manager. They might get a bounce off Stephen Robinson by the time the weekend comes around. They might even win at Dens and go up to fourth, and there's a little morale boost in itself to then think, do you know what, we're in fourth, we could beat the side that's currently in third, close that gap ever so slightly. So, I I don't know, but there is something not quite right at Hearts, and that's a a massive concern, because it's by no means done yet. Right, well, that's what I wanted to seek you out as a whole. Because the game finishes, and I I want to speak about the subs separately as part of this. The re- we all saw the reaction. Everybody listening to this saw the reaction. 
Anthony Brown today, as we record this, sent out an interesting tweet this morning. What he said was, he was like, I don't have it in front of me, but roughly what he said was, the current squad and management team need to take criticism for the last seven games. It's been nowhere near good enough. However, he the quote I remember is he said, any calls to any calls for the manager's head are laughable just now. And I want to know your opinion on the situation at the club because Robbie after it said, I know you're, you always take more stock about what managers say after games than I do. But I was actually interested in what Robbie said. I personally don't think Robbie could have said anything better. Because what Nielsen said after that game was, listen, hold our hands up. We've been rubbish recently. The last two games especially, not been good enough. To Hearts TV, he was even more blunt, saying that I was completely unhappy with every aspect of today. He was like, even the goal I wasn't happy with because it came from a poor passage of play from us where Stephen Kingsley shouldn't be that high up in the park. And he's, he was very, very... It was probably the most harsh I've ever seen him. Which is justifiable after the last two fixtures we've had. But what he said was, look at the bigger picture of this season and look at the context of this game. In the context of this game, we were missing our captain, our best player, which is rolled into one, and first choice keeper. All those three things are the same player. Our top goal scorer, our best defender, and arguably our second or third best defender, which at the very least is the entire spine of the team. And Robbie said, to look at the bigger picture, we're having a very good season and we're going through a dip at the worst possible time. We couldn't be going through a dip at the worst possible time. But every team this season's went through a dip. This is just ours. We believe we can get through it. I want to know what you think because people saw the headline and people do what they do and don't read the article and just see the headline that the Daily Record like to show and go, Nielsen insists on big picture viewing and people just read that and go, ah, I I'm don't see what he says. I'm the sun because I'll never click on an article from that rag but yeah, I'll share, yeah. you know, nonsense. Um, <clears throat> what do you make of A, what Robbie said after the game and B, the general reaction, because let's be honest, there has been calls for him to get sacked. Mm-hmm. How and as listen, everybody knows my thoughts on Nielsen. I'm not going to say it again because it, you'll get sick of hearing it. As someone who is not a Nielsen fan, where do you stand on that right now? Um, I think he is right in that we need to look at the bigger picture. But my argument's been that the division in itself isn't perhaps as strong as. Some others would like to suggest um, our rivals for where I believe we should be, and that's occupying European places, are both in transition, most notably across the city and up in Aberdeen. One of um, them is still currently <laughs> occupying a European position, though. Yeah, true. But again, like it, like I've said before, it's February. Like nothing's sewn up. Hibs yeah. could, mm-hmm. Hibs could dip. They could try and catch us out. I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I think I'm more concerned about Aberdeen to be honest under Jim Goodwin now, now that they've got but, Goodwin yeah but do you know what in terms of the season as a whole this is going to sound bizarre and seem like I'm a perfectionist or unrealistic or whatever there are still matches that I think about and think that we should have taken more points than we have and I, I don't, don't think that's a being a profession. I, I think that's just objectively true when you look at some of the games. But but then my frustration comes by thinking, should we have had, should we be in a better position to wrap up third? Because I now now I am worried that teams are going to catch us, and I I've got to be honest that I wasn't really all that worried. I I was never saying you know that it's absolutely done, but I didn't see us losing to bottom of the table twice in two matches do you not so I don't know how, I don't know how to explain I, I, this I, I, I really don't know it's not that it's not that I'm Nielsen out or anything like that like I, I'm happy with Robbie at the minute and I, I look I don't think there's better out there for us currently that's and that's, that's what I wanted to ask you because no. I've never seen somebody when they've said we need to get Nielsen out He's taking us as far as we go. Yeah, who to suggest? Yeah, and and in fairness, that's not you know a random punter's job. There'll be folk at Hearts that, or at least I'd hope, would be keeping tabs on gaffers. But I, I I really don't know how I feel because I feel he deserves this season. If if we secure third, and it feels like 
we keep the large core of this playing squad with a couple additions in necessary areas, then I'll let him have that, you know, the start of the season to take us into Europe for, you know, the first time since he left with a core of a core of players that are fighting for places. There's genuine quality within the squad. If I'm being totally honest, we've both said that we don't believe we're the finished article. So he's doing well in essence with I don't know, a squad that's three quarters of the way there. He did speak about that as well. He said you do have to obviously you make adjustments to your goals as the season goes on. Of course, expectations change. That's yeah. that's natural. But he did make the point that it's like we are still in the transition phase ourselves. We are the yeah. newly... Pro- I know everybody goes like, oh, well, Hibs are in transition, Aberdeen are in tra- transition. We're the newly promoted site. And and look, we have experienced some absolute shit times in the past few seasons anyway. M- most of which have been broadcast on this podcast and numerous <laughs> others. Yep. Um, so, look... In terms of, even if we take it back from the start of the pod, this is the best that Hearts have been in this current predicament. And there'll mm-hmm. be people that are adamant or believe like me that we could be a little bit further on. But if you'd have said to me, you know, when Levine got sacked, that our transition would be as quick, I wouldn't have believed that. And particularly with some of the season's performances in the championship. My goodness gracious me. Oh, God. I don't think there's anything wrong with what you just said there, by the way. I don't think there's anything wrong with going, you're happy with where we are currently, but feel that we should be further ahead because yeah, it, it's, it's a, unacceptable. It's a, weird, it's a weird paradox. I, I don't feel... I feel like this Scottish Premiership season is just a bonkers one anyway. Yeah, it's it's very it's very unique in terms of the fact that fourth from ninth is separated by a point like, or something like that. Like, I, it's... It's competitive, but is it a good competitive or is it a competitive because everybody's poor? I think it's a championship, like a Scottish championship competitive where just a lot of the teams are much of a muchness. I believe that it was a competitive because the teams are poor, just like it was in the championship. And look, if I it, just it, don't it, think it's it, fair. If it's, if it's the same, if it's the same outcome as in the championship where Robbie got us up and we won it fairly convincingly, we secure third fairly convincingly, then we've seen what. Like, we've seen the level that we've elevated to coming into the top tier with. So, let's just see if we can replicate that next season, if we secure third, and then it's building blocks. That's the big thing. I, I, think, I think it's slightly unfair when people go, well, we should just be third. It's like, well, in my lifetime we've finished third seven times out of a possible 25. We shouldn't I, be just automatically third. See... Mm-hmm. as much as I hate that statistic I felt as though it was more than that but then I've got to remember like when Rangers fell away you know Aberdeen were occupying second mm-hmm. third for a good few years under McInnes and Scottish football was in a weird stage with three of its biggest clubs in the second tier for a season as well mm-hmm. so it's not how it always sort of traditionally is and... if you're looking at the all time SPL table Hearts sit third Yeah. so mm-hmm. In theory, we should occupy that position more often than not, and that'll be folks' argument. But in look, our lifetime, we haven't though. And look, exactly how many years have we been? You know, Robbie was the last man to secure us to third. We've had two managers and a relegation since then, albeit in what five, six years. We've so, had four managers since then, technically. Well, Cathro, Levine, I mean, McPhee, Stendhal. Oh, Stendhal as well. Sorry, I was thinking yeah. Cathro, Stendhal. Eh, sorry, I was thinking Cathro and Levine. Yeah. I just totally forgot about the stand either. <laughs> so, three permanent managers. Um, look, we're on the road there. We we might want the journey to end that little bit sooner than it is, but we're, we're going to get there. Just, look, if, if we blow third, I can't defend him. I'm intrigued to see how we get on in the cup as well because that's to play for and we've mm-hmm. got a decent tie it's what happens at Hamden should we reach it and beyond that along with obviously our league position but it's I'm I, I don't, I'm just I don't very interested to, to see 
I'm very interested to see what happens when we have everybody fit again. When Put it this way: Halkett's back, Boyce is back, Smith is back. Exactly, a, a couple first teamers to return. And this time last year, I was going off my rocker at Robbie, so I didn't <laughs> think that we'd turn it round as quickly as we have. I, I'm still somewhat frustrated, but I'm certainly not as frustrated as I was. So it's a tricky, it's a tricky one, mate. I, I, I'm in a real pickle here because I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Hearts at present. There's a part of me that thinks we might bounce back at the weekend, but then there's a part of me that also believes, like, I, I don't even know where we're going to score a goal from. You know, on Saturday it was from the most unlikely source of all, Nathaniel mm-hmm. Atkinson. Ellis Sims missed a couple sitters. Barry Mackay is yet to score for us. Is that first goal ever going to arrive? No. <laughs> when are the other three jokers on the on the other flank going to turn up in Ginelli... Woodburn, Mackay, Stephen. They were when, all god-awful. And when are we going to change shape? Because this clearly doesn't work. I think we'll change shape this weekend. that's the frustration with Robbie I think that most people have got. is stubbornness. Actually, no, I don't. I don't think we will because Halkett's apparently back. His stubbornness and his sort of... It's not an unacceptance, but just the fact that he can't see that we're in a bit of a rut and doesn't want to alter the formation. Which to me is bizarre, but... So much well, let's fun, talk about it? it because this weekend, and this is going to be probably the only time we get to do this in this podcast history, we're going from Perth to Paisley. Hey! <laughs> Come on! <laughs> and we're probably going to get beat, but we at least got a good episode title out of it, so it's Fantastic. entirely worth it. <laughs> no, it's not. It should be. A, it should be a hatred title. It should be like Perth hate Paisley question mark or something. No. I don't know. We need we're to literally go. We're calling this episode, as you will see, the Perth to Paisley podcast, episode seventy-six from Perth to Paisley. Really? We have to. Oh it's the boy. only time we're ever going to be able to get this, and we have to go for it. Anyway, okay. what are you wanting to see? Apart Certainly from obviously a win. Yeah, you want a win, but goals in terms of the nice. team. We know that definitely, according to Robbie, that Gordon, as long as they return negative tests. Gordon and Boyce will be back if they don't have COVID. Smith will not be. But the biggest news is that if he can pass a fitness test, Craig Halkett will be back for this weekend. Right. Okay. Um, I'd certainly change up the shape. Even if Halkett's back? Well, it's dependent on a fitness test. So, is he really going to be in the best shape regardless? I worry that we're pushing them too early yeah. because we need them. I'd be happy to see Halcott on the bench. Particularly if I'm opting yeah. for a back four. To That's be honest. Fair. If we can bring him on to, you know, shore things up later on and change to a three stroke five and see it out. You know, I'd say I say I want goals. I will take the scrappiest of one nils here. Could not care. Um, yeah. So... I'd like to see us change shape. Fully fit and everybody back. I'm probably going Gordon and goal, obviously. Smith doesn't look like he's going to make it, so it's going to have yeah. to be Atkinson at right back. Yeah. Kingsley at left back. Sutter and Sibic in the middle of defence. I'm going for Robbie's trusted 4-2-3-1, but again, this has the potential to be the 4-3-3 because I feel like Benny and Big Pete in front of the back four... I'd actually put Devlin as one of the trio supporting my main striker just because if we're pressing from the front he is that sole or tip of the midfield if you like along with a couple two wingers if we're pushing on and really Mm -hmm. pressing I feel like he'll be the one to kind of if we're defending from the front effectively lead that press Barry Mackay has to play (sighs) the other flank man Jesus wet (laughs) It really is the toss of a coin. Do you know, yeah. because he scored in the Tynecastle meeting, I'm going to go GMS. I'm going to give okay. him a chance. GMS and Mackay supporting... Liam Boyce because of Simsy's sitters in Perth. So I'm going Gordon, Kingsley, Suter, Sibic, Atkinson, Beningame, Haring, GMS, Devlin, Mackay... Boyce. I would make one change to that. Interesting. In the middle of the park? Yes. I would I would play Mac and F at the tip. 
instead of you're going to say Benny? I don't know. I think either Benny or Devlin, depending on what you want to do at the start of the game. Keep Big Pete if, in there, because I didn't think it was his yeah. best performance at McDermott, if I'm honest. Yeah, because he's the best passer in the middle of the park. But and I we need that. that. I hear that. We, we absolutely need that. And I think if you want that high energy, we hit them for the start, you pair them with Devlin. If you want that complete control of the game, you play Benny. But McInef, in a central position, he needs to... He needs a I chance. Needs yeah, a chance. he just needs a chance in his natural position. And he needs to, to take it, more importantly. It's all right saying that we'll give him an opportunity, but let's be honest, if he's if he's bit part and there's you know rumours about him not being happy with how little he's played, he's got to ensure that he takes it. My my thing for me is, you know, I've made my feelings clear that I don't believe Nielsen's a big fan of either Haring nor McInef. I feel as though if he's going to, bring McInef back in it'll probably be at Haring's expense it will be and he'll start yeah. bringing me and Devlin with McInef ahead of them but look it's alright saying this I just I've got this severe fear that he's going to play a 3-4-3 Liam Boyce out position and Halk it from the start even if he's not 100%. I think I think the team will be and then I'll be raging at him I think the team will be Gordon Goals Atkinson and Cochrane, wing backs, Kingsley, Halkett, Souter, Benny and Devlin, Boyce, Sims and Mackay. But Boyce out wide. Probably. I'll be really as, annoyed as, if as that's sad as that is to say that probably is. I'll be really annoyed accurate. if that's the team. And that'd be harsh. Well, I'm saying it'd be harsh to drop Toby Civic. Would it be? I don't I think the problem is he's being a- like Suter. They're being yeah. asked to be one of them has to be a sweeper, and neither of them are. They're both ball playing. They're I feel both like, better I feel on like the far side. a better sweeper though. So do I, but I still don't think he is a sweeper. Like no, I think Civic's no, definitely better than Suter, but neither of them are in or, that. Or role. would he be tempted to put Civic in front of that back three stroke four nah. as one of nah. the two? I don't think he would either, but it's an option. I don't think it is. I think people say this because he played twice for us there. Yeah, but know. in his entire career of 195 matches, he's played this six times. <laughs> so and a grand he's not for us. That. Look, I like yeah. him at the back. So do I. Because I think he's miles faster than most of our defenders anyway. So, yeah. What's your score prediction? <sighs> oh, they're oh. <laughs> on a really good run. I think they're the second most informed team in the country. They are. Or yes, the, they are. The buddies in the top tier. That is obviously. Um, the last six, they've won four, drawn two. Yeah, so that, what, 14 points from a potential 18? Yeah. Christ, it would be when facing us, eh? Uh, and in Paisley. <laughs> oh, we won there last time. We did. We did. But, uh, oh, that Paisley hoodoo's been hanging over us. I want to be positive here. I've got to be positive. Right, you know what? I'm just, I'm going to throw it out there. I'll probably go a different prediction for who scored and just make it you know seem impartial I'll say we will repeat that scoreline St Mirren 1 Hearts 2 this has to come to an end at some stage and if we grab the win heading into that Aberdeen match I'll be feeling good if we don't and then drop points in the Aberdeen match Jesus who's your goal scorers (sighs) don't say it don't say it I'm not going to say it I'm not going to say it I'm not going to say it (laughs) I'll say, you know what, I've stuck up for him in this episode. I'll say Stephen Kingsley and Liam Boyce back amongst the goals. He scored the winner there last time. Yeah, there you go. Um, I've gone well, for a repeat scoreline, hopefully the repeat outcome. What What are you saying to it? 2-0 St Mirren, Grieve and Charles Dunn for his, as he's got his no, he's red card rescinded. Oh, well, they're appealing it, and I don't think it is a red, so you'll probably get it. But then again, off. they play midweek, so it doesn't really matter. He will be back for that art. Oh, yeah, he will be yeah, back. So, yeah. So, yeah, Charles done that New Zealand Grieve boy, whatever his name is, who just seems to be scoring all the time for them. Watch it be Jordan Jones, a player that I would have loved Hearts to sign after his Kelly yeah. deal was up, but then Rangers beat us to it. Well, let's be honest. You all thought that was going to be more angry and more negative. We actually, From in that me. last bit of the discussion, <laughs> yeah, that last bit of the discussion, managed to get some 
big picture thinking and some positive outlooks. I've kept I'm very proud of us. For, for when Hearts inevitably get beaten Paisley. Oh yeah, next week it's going to go mental. The meltdown will be <laughs> incredible. And he's hosting, so it'll be some Oh laugh. God almighty. Oh, Please Hearts, just grab three points. I don't even care how scrappy it is. Don't care about. Oh yeah, who gives a shit about the performance as long as we win? Just win, yeah. (laughs) Please make it a happy hosting next week. Well, thank you for listening to this week's episode. We have been Perth to Paisley. You can get us on all the socials at Perth to Paisley. You can also email us perthtopaisley at gmail.com. Please leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. It massively helps us. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please leave a like, subscribe and comment we really do appreciate that Adam where can they get you on social media (laughs) they can get me on all the socials at Adam T Kendall and all the other stuff that I've got going on I I feel like I'm the busiest man in the world these days but what about yourself I am at dmciver22 we'll be back next week for a potential explosive outburst from Adam but hopefully a calm lovely discussion about a win and the preview for the upcoming Aberdeen game and anything else that happens in between. But until then, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Kinefaith, Monogy team!